You're listening to the best barbecue show, and I'm your host, Yoni Levin. This week, a very interesting pair, Jake and Joe, owners, chefs at Blackboard Barbecue, a really interesting spot out in Sisterdale, Texas, about 13 miles from everywhere. Uh, It's near Bernie, not far from San Antonio. It's about 90 minutes from Austin, and it's an amazing stop if uh, you're in that part of Texas enjoying a barbecue trail. We talked about their beginnings, how they ended up in a cool old building in Sisterdale, Texas, and how the two of them met. Uh, They're a really interesting couple. They span the gap between restaurant and barbecue joint. And one of my favorite bites I've had in a while was there. Uh, They have a, a quail lollipop, which you'll hear more about. They cook... Wagyu briskets, ribs, and they even have something that isn't really a french fry, but at the same time isn't really homemade chips. Uh, I had some great food, had a great conversation, and learned a little bit more about two very interesting meat people, meat enthusiasts, barbecue family. So I hope you enjoy this interview and this conversation with Jake and Joanne from Blackboard Barbecue. I'm here with Jake and Joe, Blackboard Barbecue out in Sisterdale, Texas. A nice foggy day here. How's it going? It's going good. How you doing, Yoni? I'm good. All right. We just we just hung out uh, at Hayes County Barbecue and and talked barbecue with some of the the big guys. That in was barbecue. A, it was fun, huh? That was a, a great fun. night. A and fun. thanks again. Kudos to you for facilitating that. Thanks that to was... John Brotherton for uh, getting the word out to My some man. people I didn't have uh, connections with. My man. <laughs> so it's Friday. You guys usually get a, a bump in traffic today. I know you said it's going to get crazy here in about an hour. Sure. Yeah, it's all rock and roll. Yeah, Fridays are like an all-day kind of deal because I guess people are like starting on the weekend, so they, it doesn't get really busy right at lunch, but it stays like constant all Friday, and it's, it's hard to predict. It's funny. Super hard to predict. It's funny like that too. Mm-hmm. Uh, some days, you know, it's just it's crushing, and other days it's that long and steady grind like Joe's talking about. Uh, we always have to prepare heavy, obviously, you know. The cool get out of jail card is this being a barbecue joint today, you know, in America, it's okay to sell out, you know. Uh, we never run out because that would imply a lack of preparedness, uh, but selling out is totally acceptable uh, today. And it's funny, some people still don't get that. Mm-hmm. And we get, well, could you just, you know, throw some more meat on? And my How typical come you response didn't is. Meat? Yeah, I'm going to go fire it up and you got about 14 hours to kill and we'll revisit this. It's going to be great. You know, (laughs) no matter what I do right now, you're still coming tomorrow. Yeah, right. There's (laughs) tomorrow. Tomorrow's another day. So and so how long have you all been in the barbecue game? I know you've been cooking for a long time. Barbecue, we've been here for two years, almost going on two years. I think our backgrounds are a little different. Um, I'm a classically trained chef. Went to Le Cordon Bleu in 2003, Ooh. 2005. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so it was, um, Jake likes to give me a really hard time about it because I say. Oh, nonsense. I, I say, first of all, that it was kind of a bucket list thing that I wanted to do. I, you know, I didn't think I could make a career out of cooking. I had always had sales jobs, so there's, you know, a lot of money to be made in sales and it's hard to give up that kind of money. And so I landed in Austin. I was working for Sprint at the time, and I landed in Austin, and I was watching the Food Network as usual, and um, I saw that there was a culinary school like literally three miles from my house. And I had moved here, moved to Austin, and didn't know anybody. So I was like, why not go to culinary school? Like, you know, it's no big deal. Yeah. <laughs> so I uh, went to the school, and immediately I walked in there and um, 
got the financing and started like two weeks later. And then for two years, I was like, what am I doing here? What am I doing here? I'm never going to use this as a career, you know, because I had a very successful career in sales. So I uh, graduated and I was lucky enough to get hired by a Dallas Cowboy football player as a personal chef. And so that's how my cooking career, my professional cooking Looks career Looks good started. on the resume. Yeah. Looks good on the resume. I grew up with five brothers yeah. and sisters, so I was cooked. Uh, my mother and my grandmother were terrible cooks, so it was, I felt like it was my job to help the family eat some decent food. And I was always interested in food. I remember watching Julia Child and you know PBS when I was growing up and thinking, man, I wish I could cook someday. So lovely to cook. And, you know, I, I did. My mom would, um, my mom and dad bought a this freezer a long time ago that it came with the microwave when microwaves first came out and then you got like a half of a cow and you got every couple of months you got some more meat in and so I would get these really weird cuts of meat and try to have to figure out how to feed you know our family and that was before you know you couldn't google anything you just had to kind of cook it and see how it turned out or which watch. begs the question <laughs> what'd you do with the brisket Joe you know I don't recall that we ever had a brisket yeah but I'm sure I used that, that handy-dandy microwave that was really, like, it was like an oven. It was huge. It was literally, like, the size of this table. Like, you, you had to, like, really, it was huge. You know what doesn't get enough love or respect or props is the toaster oven. What a versatile, awesome little machine. Mm-hmm. All right. Kind of random. <laughs> I, have a, I have an awesome little toaster oven that can cook two 14-inch pizzas in my house. So. There's, like, convection. Is it a breville? No, it's like a the normal like Black like, and Decker or something. Yeah, and there's like convection toaster yep. ovens. You there's know? that Breville is like it's like seven hundred dollars. I mean, you can pretty much do anything in it, but it's like you know for people who have an apartment size, yeah. you know, and don't have a good cooking yeah. utensil. We should apparatus. get one for the kitchen. We don't have a microwave in the kitchen. Chef that, Mike does not good. live here. We don't have a, a microwave. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no Chef Mike. But a, a little toaster oven would be great. We could just do one brisket at a time, and it would just be awesome <laughs> for those people That's who want. We're sold out. Yeah, right. <laughs> for the sold out crowd, right, 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 who show right, up at eight yeah. o'clock and say, yeah. "Y'all don't have any brisket." Left? Oh, hold on, I'm gonna well, fire up. The toaster oven. It's going to be great. Yeah. yeah. So y'all go into dinner with your service. Yeah. Yeah. If we have, if we haven't sold out at that point, we're uh, Thursday through Sunday mm-hmm. noon. Promptly the gate swings open and, uh, and until we sell out, and that's pretty much the gist. And and it's it's there's a lot of different forms of um, of currency in life, right? I mean, first of all, if you get into this business for the money, you're in it for all the wrong reasons. If you for happen sure. to be successful and make some money you know, you won, like, congratulations, great job. So when we look out the front, you know, at that gate and it's 1130 on a Saturday morning or a Sunday morning, and there's a couple dozen cars lined up and down the road, you know, out here in Sisterdale, Texas, population of 48. I mean, that's a form of currency for us. It really justifies what we're doing. And it's just nothing but love, man. Mm -hmm. So how did you end up in Sisterdale since the population so small he should tell his whole story i um yeah, start from the beginning man. Bruce, well, in the beginning <laughs> there was light uh bruce and beth johnson have a sister creek ranch it's just down the road here about seven miles or so it's a modest little 700 acre spread and it's a high-end guest ranch and so uh that's how sister dale got on my radar in the first place was i hooked up with those folks and come down sight unseen as their executive chef for the ranch and their private chef too because they live on the ranch it's like that owner operated and all that and uh, it's very equine driven a lot of horseback riding and whatnot and and uh, just a great facility and so they built me a little house and all that and and i have my mare and and the dogs and it's just great and and then uh, i met joe and uh she eventually by and by you know realized that she could like me enough that she could actually stand me so uh she moved on to the ranch with me so we still live on the ranch even though i don't cook for bruce and beth anymore because we gave birth to a smokehouse uh but they were uh, kind enough to let us hang out and uh, hang around and it's just great so that's that's how we ended up in sister dale and it's just a great little community down here and we just love it it is it's all Texas all the way, and, and folks around here just are living right, and that's what's so attractive to us. Do you get a majority of customers from a certain direction, or is it always? Or In the beginning, <laughs> in the beginning, it was, it was definitely locals. People who had, because it was a smokehouse before, so people 
knew that like you could come here every other weekend and they would make X amount of briskets and ribs and they would they would open and then they would cook to, I mean they would serve till they sold out like sold out and then um, so people would be driving by basically and we tried a lot of um, social media was the most important part in the beginning so smart um, contacted any, any and blogger free. yeah any blogger that we could contact we contacted them and got them out to try our food um, to you know get our exposure that way and of course uh, Facebook you know the social media was the biggest part of getting people to know that we were here and you know just word of mouth there's the community is pretty small but it's I say that but it's not because like we'll have people come in today and we've been here for two years that say how long have y'all been open we're like two years and they're like oh my god I just found out that you guys are here so even though it's 13 miles to the largest city it still seems and that's like San Antonio no it's been Bernie Oh, that's Bernie. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. So we still have a lot of Bernie people that are just now discovering us. We have people in Comfort, which is 13 miles that way, that are just now discovering Apparently, us. we're 13 miles from everywhere. Yes. <laughs> a bit of a quagmire. So it, Lucky it, 13. It, it was, that's right. It, it, it has been, you know, like, just we have to let people know that we're here. Social media was a, a big push, just sure. posting pictures and talking about it and trying to talk to anybody who would listen to us that were open. Yeah. So, But, you know, also, I mean, now fast forward, mm -hmm. you know, we're sort of semi-established and the word's kind of out and all that. I mean, there's literally people coming in from all over the country uh, to get the barbecue. I mean, how humbling, you know, mm -hmm. is that? Speaking of other forms of currency. Mm -hmm. We had a dude uh, that had been following along. Joe handles all the social media, right? She's taking all the pictures. She's the photog and all that and making the food look good. And and we had this dude that had been following along drooling over his phone in Alaska for since the beginning. And he called just shy of Thanksgiving just now to say, hey, I'm going to be in town over the holidays. I want to make sure y'all are going to be open. Like this dude's been following along for, you know, 18 months and finally has the opportunity to be in San Antonio and is calling ahead to make sure we're going to have some barbecue for him. I mean, that's pretty cool, man. If, if that don't turn you on, then you probably ought to be doing something else anyways. You know, it's just, that's just good stuff right there. So mm -hmm. we're super proud of our customers, super proud of our people. Well, and that's what the barbecue world attracts is people that don't mind waiting in line, people who are generally patient, you know, there's always the outliers. Generally. Sure. <laughs> but, but people who, who <clears throat> barbecue as a destination is a thing, Yeah. you know, and, and this is a great destination. I just drove some country roads to get here. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's exactly yeah. why people love Texas. Yeah. You know, all the drivers were friendly, sure. nice enough. And once I got out of Austin, everyone's crazy in Austin. Well, you but, know, you get anywhere, anywhere in America where there's, you know, inner city involved and people get competitive and all that. You know how it is. Make and sure I, you wave at everybody yeah. when you drive by. I'm happy just to get the hell out of Austin before traffic even starts. You and, know? you know, that's a huge part of it, Yoni, too, and a huge part of why we've enjoyed the success at the rate we have is because, like, the drive that you're talking about, you know, getting out here, I mean you know winding through these beautiful hill country roads and then you pull up on the joint and it's literally an old barn i mean all this wood is from an old farmhouse and from an old hay barn that yeah. was repurposed to use to build this joint so it's got this soul built into it so you're so gussied up and geared up before you even get to the food like the table is set when you walk in the joint and then there's the barbecue which we're hoping doesn't suck and <laughs> so it's a really this great experience is, is what it is and it sure does speak to that caliber of the folks that are in the barbecue community on both sides of the table like like you're saying well and jake you have uh, a slightly different history than joe she told hers so how did you get here well uh my path was a lot less direct and it's uh definitely a very sordid tale i've uh had a knife in my hand since I was probably five years old, you know, butchering stuff, breaking down stuff uh, with the old man. And I'm a yank. I don't usually tell people that till after they eat the barbecue. And so I was born into it. It was one of those deals. And so I come up back east and we were hunting and fishing and always had a big garden and all that. So, you know, my mom kind of had the garden and, and, and the men folk went out and did all the hunting and all that and, and uh, whatnot. And, and so there was always the butchery background in it for me and then being responsible from the moment you take the animal to handling it properly through the whole process of hanging the butchering you know into the crucial moment of, of cooking and, and serving which 
inevitably is what pushed me into open fire cooking was because the old man was just terrible and he had uh you know he didn't need 13 shades of gray two were plenty in his world and so eventually you know at a young age i had to pull his card and bump him off the grill and and start cooking you know this great venison and pheasant and duck and it just get to that crucial moment and get ruinated and it was just you know tragic so that really compelled me to start cooking early on and being exposed to all this great protein and all these wonderful vegetables and everything fresh out of the garden you know sort of like uh local boars before it was a thing or a movement it was more about survival uh but what a great baseline for me and then you know fast forward a bunch of years uh, I was a trucker for a long time. You know, there was two things I wanted to do in life, literally be a trucker like the old man and be a chef. And that's just the way it was. And it was just clear as day uh, from the beginning, as far as I can remember, that that's who I was going to be. And I've whooped the hell out of both those careers and uh, have had a lot of great opportunities and, you know, taken advantage of them along the way. And uh, everything has led to this point. You know, had the opportunity to work with some some giants like you know Gordon Ramsay and and Graham Elliott, the big man out of Chi Town. You know, danced around with Bobby Flay for a quick minute. I've actually worked with two Iron Chefs, and you know, you get a hold of people like that, you hold on to them as long as you can, put your head down, shut your mouth, and go to work, and just get into sponge mode, and then take that knowledge, whatever chunks or nuggets or pieces that you grab, and then apply it you know then get to work you know go cook go make it your own and run it like you stole it and so you know my path is very different than joe's in that hers was a lot more linear in the educational respect and mine was you know more roundabout life experience take the long way home kind of thing but you know from the back country of wyoming 35 miles in on horseback uh to the london you know in beverly hills i mean it's just been this crazy crazy adventure and uh and i think it's a hell of a good story a story worth telling and you know what we're doing right here is is phenomenal i never would have seen it coming and i don't think either of us ever set out to be restaurateurs as chefs it all come to be as a matter of factly and once that ball started rolling it became really evident really fast that blackboard barbecue is what we were going to do and who we were going to be okay you you say you went trucking, is was that a driving across the country? You're driving kind of southwest. No, or? no, it was all over California. You know, I moved out west as soon as I got done being on the East Coast. I pointed the car to the left and drove until I hit the other ocean one day, and that was in my very early twenties because that's just how that was going to be. And uh, things were a little too uptight where I come up, and the California lifestyle and vibe was a much better fit for me. Uh, again, you know, being in central California where there's three growing seasons a year and the bounty of the bay, it did not suck as a cook and as a guy that likes to eat, you know, to have, again, access to all this great uh, protein and all this wonderful, uh, you know, veg. So, <clears throat> pardon me. So, anyways, yeah, um, I was, you know, kind of running and gunning, uh, just day cab stuff playing in the dirt, operating heavy equipment, you know, running around like that. Uh, so I wasn't a long line guy uh, as far as the trucking end of it goes. I guess I never just really grew out of playing in the mud. <laughs> and so you mentioned some big hitters in the food world, at least, uh, you know, on the, the TV food <clears throat> network world. Sure. What was, did y'all Two words that should never be or? in the same sentence at the same time, reality and television. <laughs> Well, we're creating our own type of reality television here. Sure. But we're taking the time to tell the whole story. That's right. This is more reality. Yeah. 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 Did you did you meet them at a restaurant? Did you run into them? Were you um, just, you know, talking shit at a bar one night? I've talked a lot of shit at a lot of bars, and it's really bit me in the ass on several occasions. But again, you know, you learn from all these experiences, and that establishes who you are in life. Uh, in any event, there was a little production you may have heard of called Master Chef that was coming out, and they'd had great success with it in Europe, and it kicked ass in Australia. So somebody said, hey, we should do it in America. And I was 
somewhere running my mouth one day and somebody <laughs> said, oh yeah, you think you're all this and that? You should try this. And so all of a sudden, you know, MasterChef, the first season, arguably the best season, was being, you know, pitched. It was and, a good season. And cast. And uh, it was set up like uh, American Idol. So they went to, you know, a dozen or 15 cities all around America and looked at like 15,000 people. And uh, I heard about it at the last second, drove to L.A. for the last, you know, sort of cattle call. And uh, they loved what I had and where I was coming from. And it turned out I was pretty good on camera and, and uh, that the old boy could kind of cook. So uh, it was just great. I had an awesome experience. And uh, it was it was wild. And the reason that I really went to be a part of that in the first place at the end of the day was to be able to work with these amazing chefs, these amazing accomplished super chefs and get as much as I could from them. And uh, I was proud of everything I did and everything I plated and we run it up pretty good, pretty much right up till the end. And I think somewhere in all that, I became America's sweetheart on that deal. And it was uh, it was a kick-ass production, just had a blast. But it was it was more about the education and the personal growth for me than being on TV. I need to definitely clarify that. Sure. Yeah. Well, let's peel back the curtain a little bit, too. Do you feel like you had to kind of put on a little bit more of a character to get on the show? Or do you think they, they totally put you on just for your cooking skills? Or was it kind of 50-50? It's definitely not 50-50. And again getting back to reality and television two words that just should not be running together in any sentence uh you know a lot of that stuff is pretty scripted for what's supposed to be unscripted tv i'll tell you this everything that got cooked was cooked in real time like when that clock's up there pounding and you got 45 minutes to lift the lid off a box and a dungeness crab comes crawling out and there's seven or eight other ingredients it's on like that's it was legit that's for real or they're like, okay, here's what it is. You've got 120 seconds to run across the warehouse to get to the pantry while you're putting together what the dish is going to be in your head in real time and fighting with you know, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 other people to get the ingredients you want and get back to your station in 120 seconds and then cook. So you're always forgetting something. You're always on the fly maneuvering you know you might start in one direction and end up completely in another because you fucked up and left the eggs you know right so it was super edgy like that and very real in that capacity but you know at the end of the day they're trying to sell tickets and trying to sell seats just like anything else so there's definitely a bullshit factor that comes along with all of it i think the reason that the producers like me is because i have this ability just to turn the filter off and I think I dropped more F-bombs than Gordon did on that season. And they they liked that. It just turned out I could I could do okay in the kitchen too. So So you you had a run on TV, some reality television. Sure. How did y'all cross paths? He's gonna lie. <laughs> Which he does. Usually when I lie, mostly I usually tell the truth right after I tell the lie though. So I'm not really a, <laughs> no. a liar. Yeah, he does. He does. <laughs> He'll he'll lie though. He does I'm lie. I'm gonna let's I'm gonna skip over the part where I lie and go right to the truth. We met on Tinder. We met That's on awesome. Tinder. Yeah, we met on Tinder. It was it was weird though because you know how if are you single? Married? Uh I'm dating someone. So you know how Tinder works probably at the yeah, because when we we were interviewed by somebody else, they were like, "No, we don't know anything about Tinder," because they were both married. So, you know, you have to set your parameters for like how far away you want to date somebody or whatever. So, I don't even know how we got together because mine was like ten miles. I'm not dating anybody outside of like the other side of the river when I lived in Austin. That's just too far. Yeah. And so um, I like swipe right because he was a chef, and I thought he's probably a cool guy. He's a chef, and he messaged me, and then. He messaged me back and he said something about being in Austin that weekend. You know, would we like? Would, I'd like to go out. He'll take me to lunch. And I was like, well, Where are you if that you're not in Austin? He's like, I'm in Sisterdale. And I was like, That you know. And I, so I googled Sisterdale immediately. And I was like, How did how did <laughs> we like get a cool connected? Place. Where is it? Yeah, how did we get connected? <clears throat> I've never even heard of Sisterdale. And so he came into Austin. And that day I was cooking because I was a personal chef for did meal planning and stuff so I was delivering food to my clients all day and so we had pushed the date back several times and then I sent him to um, RO at the time and it was um, not open and I didn't realize it wasn't <laughs> because it was a Sunday yeah, and I'm I like, just forgot about like what Austin. is this some There's, sort of setup yeah, so some sort of sick joke I show up at a restaurant rendezvous and the place is closed 
So he messaged me. He's like, Joe, this restaurant is not open. I was like, that's cool. There's other restaurants in Austin. I'm walking across the street. I'll see you in a second. So I show up on that corner. He's standing there in the corner. He's got a little bag in his hand. And and uh, I walk up to him. We hug. And we, he introduces himself. And he hands me this bag. And it's a bag of prosciutto. So the minute I opened that up and looked at it, I was just like, this is my guy. This guy who shows up at a date and brings me meat is my kind of guy. I had her at prosciutto. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. No chocolate, no flowers. Yeah. I had made that prosciutto also. That is prosciutto okay. that these hands had been on and, and made. And we were, I was at my buddy's house with the leg, shaving it down earlier that day. So I had vacuum packs on for her and that's how yeah. that come to be. So we didn't go to RO to eat dinner. And we went to Clark's and had oysters. We shot oysters. You know they're an aphrodisiac, right? <laughs> I've heard that. I'm not implying anything. I was just throwing that out there. <laughs> anyway, so we've been together since. It's just like it was a natural progression. It's like we knew each other forever. We had the same ideas about food. Um, you know, like he didn't mind I, that I eat with my hands all the time and that I ate like as voraciously as he does. So Great word. I'm going to try and yeah. work that in So we, um, we are definitely on the same page when it comes to the food and we like the same things and it just, it, we just fell in love. Aww. <laughs> well, and that's a, that's a very intelligent gift to give a chef because they know when you hand someone that, like if you just handed some person that, they would know, oh, this is some meat. But she knows the work you put into it, yeah. the time you took just to vacuum seal. I'm sure it looked good, too. You didn't just, like, dump it in a bag. Yeah. So it, it's it's cool to see, you know, the appreciation instantly that, oh, okay, this guy this guy's ready to put in some work. Yeah. Not just, like, buy some flowers and hope for the best. Sure. Yeah. The other cool thing in the beginning is that we cooked for each other a lot. So we have different styles. Um, my, my background was cooking for for more athletes, so it was health and nutrition, and his style is a little different from mine, so we got to be exposed to each other's style of She of exposed herself to yes, me I early did. on. I did. Hey, Phil, <laughs> come here for a second. So tell, who's Phil? Phil is my apprentice. The apprentice. Phil's learning uh, about the right between them. Phil's learning about the pit and learning about the line and running the line and what it takes to make blackboard barbecue happen. Say something, Phil. Oh, what's up, guys? Gotta <laughs> hold the mic closer to him. There you go. Gotta put me on camera. Yeah, on the spot. Yanks it. No, put that thing away. Yanks it right out of my hand. How's it been at blackboard, Phil? Be honest. It's been good. Good barbecue. Good food. Good people. Good know. times. Good hours. Good All times. Right. What are you? What are you prepping back there? Nothing right now. I'm making some barbecue sauce. That's what I was going to ask you. Keeping an eye on that? Yeah. Yeah. Jake's Mistake, world famous, award winning. Yeah, that's pretty damn good. That's the name of the sauce, Jake's Mistake? Jake's Mistake. Yeah, we uh -huh. broke a lot of eggs to make that omelet back in the day for sure. I like it. Yeah. It's probably the biggest bastard of any barbecue sauce you'll ever eat. But uh, And we all know good, good barbecue don't need no sauce, but it definitely has a life of its own for sure. Well, if you've been to 2M Smokehouse, you know they go a little wild with their sauce too. Yeah, we, we have we never, love, never well, we been. Yeah, we've never been. We've Thanks, chatted Phil. on social media Thanks. and some other things, but we're <laughs> looking guess. forward to meeting Back them. To Back to work. Yeah, uh, their sauce is almost like a sweetener. It's got molasses and mm -hmm. maple syrup in it. Sure. Mm -hmm. So it's not what you'd expect from a barbecue sauce. It's almost black. Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> so tell us, I'm guessing at some point after y'all met, uh, this came about so tell me about the restaurant how'd you come up with the name and all that you want me to talk or you want to talk i'll talk and then i'll segue into you <laughs> <laughs> go ahead because i think we only have an hour uh, yeah good point <laughs> i can get the story moving yeah but anyway so um we met and then a couple of months after we met jake says hey joe why don't we do a pop-up supper club there's this uh old smokehouse down the road um it's been you know it's been closed for five years but I, I know these people and we've talked a little bit about, you know, doing a pop-up there. So why don't we do this pop-up? And his friend was coming in from California, Colby Reed. Um, and then he's kind of a big deal. He's kind of a big deal. And so his friend was coming in as another chef from California. And so, um, this was really like the first time we cooked together professionally. So it was four chefs, uh, four wines, four courses and the arrow board that's out there. We put up, Jake put up, um, the, we, the Sister Dale, what is it? Shindig Society. Si yeah, so they... are looking at the founding members. Yeah, the, the <laughs> developed this 
shindig society and put it on the board and said if you want to come to this pop-up let us know you know phone number blah blah and we sold it out in how, how long like maybe three four days yeah it was lickety split yeah you it know. Was, so we only had like you could only get 70 people in here 70, I, think. I think we got 78 in yep. here when it was all said and done the place was just hopping so here we are you know never cooked in this <clears throat> kitchen together having to put together a menu like mega fast and so we did and that was our first um like time here at the smokehouse and it rocked and immediately and it felt like this place is like this is my home i want to add something about the menu though because that's mm -hmm. important to me yeah. that to pay homage to the smokehouse that there was a element of smoke brought to each course mm -hmm. but there was no barbecue served so it was very much out of respect for the space as far as you know having that thread that component through the entire menu and each chef was responsible for their own course it was just a super fun concept and people responded really well. Yeah, it went it went really good. So we sold we did out quick. Two more here as a result of that over the next couple years, right? One more. We did one the next year and that's when we decided to to buy the place. Mm. Jake was still at the ranch at the time and I was still in Austin. So we, him and I were just still dating. So we did that first pop up. And then a year later Jake decided to resign from the ranch and retire. We were doing some traveling. We had already been to Spain together for 10 days. We had a trip planned to Italy and Austria and Switzerland for 17. And so we were gonna do some traveling. He was gonna do some personal chefing. I was still gonna continue to personal chef and I'm an accountant so I have my clients in Austin. And we decided to do another supper club here. And that one, it was just gonna be us. And then um, I have a friend who's uh, a, a chef. That, Man, good thing this is the short version. Yeah, that, that two chefs from Austin, one of them, um, was my one of my teachers at school and my best friend. So they came in, so we were gonna do the four chef thing again. Actually, it was not four because <laughs> I had to run the front of the house, sorry. I'm trying to get my, my stuff together. So we decided to do this second one. And when we decided to do the second one, we went to go meet with them and me and Jake kind of tossed around the idea of like, I wonder what it would take to reopen that place. Like, you know, it's such a cool space. It's got such good, you know, like vibe. We really enjoy cooking there. I wonder what it would take to do that. So we kind of sat down, him and I, and because of my accounting background, we put together like a business plan and thought about it. And then we were like, what should we do? Could we do like a restaurant? Could we do a smokehouse? And um, Jake didn't initially want to do a smokehouse because because of people look at him and they are already assume that he's a pit master. Like, you know, not he, that there's anything wrong. Right. With that. But he just, he wanted, he wanted like his genre. He didn't want it to be like, he didn't want to be stuck in that. I'm just a, a pit master kind of guy thing. And it's more about labels really. Correct. So, so yeah. we were like, well, what if we opened it as a smokehouse, but like do a, like a menu that's a little different from like no beans, no potato salad kind of vibe and use our chef like background and create some sides that are worthy of people just wanting to come and eat sides. Yeah, and, and just desserts kind of, an kind of do part. it our way. Yes. Yeah. So we talked about it and we were like, nah, we don't want to do it. We don't want to commit to that because that's just too much money, too much hassle. But if we got this much money or if we did this or if this happened, maybe we would consider it. So this next would happen. And right. then we'd be like, oh, well, you know, well, this is going to have to happen now. Yeah. And then that would happen. Doors kept opening. Just, like, and the universe every single time was we put like something to the universe us. and said, yeah. if this could take place, then we would do it. Yeah. So it just kept happening. And we just knew it was right. I mean, yeah. we, when we got ready to do the second pop up, we um, decided we were going to open on the 4th of July. We were going to announce the menu. We already had the money that we needed to, to get this place open. We had everything ready and so we announced yeah. it at the second pop -up. we started with zero dollars mm -hmm. in the bank account when we yeah. opened the doors we're like this is it mm -hmm. we better make some money this week because this <laughs> is it and that's how that went wow. only in america baby yeah so that's so that's how that happened and then that's how we're here today and we you know decided to do the smokehouse as a matter of fact when we told the people who own the place they were like what are you gonna do fine dining we can't wait you know like something kind of cool you and jake always cook cool food and we were like now we're gonna do a smokehouse they just went why and we were like because there's a beautiful smoker out there this yeah. is designed to be yeah. a, you know a, a barbecue restaurant yeah we're just going to keep it up because that's what the universe told us we should do so that's what we're doing and how'd you come up with the name blackboard we had a couple different names on the um docket and uh we were running it around you know with some of our inner circle and uh one of them was uh, hoof and feather right pretty catchy we thought and people <laughs> would just be like 
deer in the headlights, you know, <laughs> crickets. I'm like, okay. Uh, every barbecue joint you've ever been to has a blackboard in it, and there's not one named Blackboard Barbecue. And it's as simple as that. And then there's also the element of if I fuck it up, it's like back to the drawing board, you know, as far as like the blackboard goes. Right. Recalculate it, come up with some new numbers, and just start again. Erase it and start over, you know, as far as the smoker goes and mm-hmm. recipe development and all that shit. So uh, Blackboard Barbecue was born, uh, you know, instead of a blue plate special, we do a blackboard special. I mean, there's a lot of catchy, cheeky stuff to it. And just having blackboards around is awesome. It's very interactive. Uh, our menu is is a piece of art. It's a masterpiece. It's not just a menu. It is a piece of art on, drawn on that chalkboard. And a big half of that is for people to write whatever they think, you know, good, bad, right, wrong, or indifferent. And it, so it's very engaging. So mm-hmm. it gets people involved. We want our food to be engaging. And uh, it's a very much family style service is, is how we plate here too. So it's, you know, roll your sleeves up, dig in, tell some good stories and make some good memories. And then people get to share that with us. You know, one of my favorite things to do, you know, when I roll back in here, crawl back in here, limp back in here <laughs> Monday morning is to see what is on the board and see who came in from Wisconsin or Minnesota or California or Connecticut or wherever it was that week that wrote on the board. And again, for me, for us, that's another form of currency, you know. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so, tell us about this menu. Do you, do you have it on the blackboard because you change it sometimes, or is it pretty consistent? No, it's pretty consistent. Same, same. Yeah, yeah, one only one thing has changed yeah. since the beginning. Yeah, we're fixing to uh, we're fixing to mix things up a little bit, mm-hmm. but um, no, we had a very simple concept on the menu: is do a few things and do them well. There's no throwaway items on there uh we the original concept was three desserts four proteins and five sides and we've stuck to it i mean how many times you see first time restaurateurs or not even first time multiple time you know joints that that don't make it through the first six months because they spread themselves too thin and you know try to be everything to everybody and write these dynamic menus and it, you know, it ends up in the bin and that's just, you might as well take your wallet and just dump it in the trash because as you know, pennies are nickels are dollars and that's just the way it is. So we kept it simple, didn't try to really, you know, reinvent the wheel and just do things that are familiar, but do it our way. Mm-hmm. So that's how the menu come to be. Now, bearing that in mind, uh, we're fixing to launch, um, some boudin. I'm doing an Axis and Wild Hog boudin Whoa. that's in the developmental phases right now. That's going to get launched next week for Mardi Gras. So being boudin and all, for all you coon asses out there, come <laughs> check out the boudin. It does not suck. Mm-hmm. And again, it's featuring, you know, hill country components. A lot of wild hog running around out here. A lot of Axis running around out here. You know, we got quail on the menu. Uh these are the kind of things that we like to do, you know, our Wagyu, which certainly can be looked at as an exotic or American Wagyu uh, is raised in Texas, you know, so it's important that that's part of our message to people too, to get them thinking about their food and what's running around out there and show them that there's great, clever, creative ways to cook it that makes it phenomenal. And we should be eating it because damn it, if we weren't supposed to eat it, it wouldn't taste so good. Exactly. And uh, for those all you who don't know, Axis is a type of deer, correct? That's right, yep. And aren't they, they're supposed to be very agile because they were around tigers a lot or something? That's what I've heard. Well, I don't know about all that. They come out of Pakistan and India originally, and I don't know what the tiger population is in those two countries. So that's pretty high. Is it? Yeah. Are you being serious? Oh, yeah. There's there's towns in, I don't know if they're in India and Pakistan, but there's towns in that area where the, the major killer for the entire town is tigers. Wow. Is that right? More than disease, more than anything. Wow. Fun fact for the day right yes. there. So then maybe there's something to it. The great thing I like about Axis is, is the way they taste. Good. That's yeah. what I've heard is yes. they're delicious. Yeah. They are. They just don't have that and funk that some, and that's all in the preparation of it, but they don't have that. They just have a, a beautiful flavor. Yeah. Don't get me started on gamey. I know because. The shit that comes out of people's mouths because we don't have time for it. Well, yeah. it's funny because. Ten years ago, people were more afraid of these cuts that are now, you know, the, the brisket cut was big in Texas, but it wasn't big in other places. Sure. Now it's big all over the world. Mm-hmm. That's right. Barbacoa prices are going up because yep. people are they're, they're getting over the fact that it's a cheek and just realizing that it's a beautiful cut of meat. Mm-hmm. 
Right. Knowledge is power, my friends. Yeah. Anything involved in the word cheek, I'm in. Mm -hmm. Whether it's halibut, pork, beef, on down the line, I'm in. Joe. Aw. <laughs> uh, well, so you get two chefs and a barbecue joint. There has to be something, little twists, maybe some things you threw in in the rubs or the sides or something that's a little different from the, the normal barbecue spot. Tell us about that. Go ahead, Joe. Talk about the menu. That's what, uh, yeah, that's that, what I do all the time. You do a lot, yeah. Right in the front of the house, that's what I do all the time. Yeah. So um, like, there's a little something different about every single one of our signs, sides. Um, we coined the phrase through Chuck Blount, who's a San Antonio Express uh, food writer. Uh, no beans, no potato salad, no apologies. Because from the beginning, I have old notes that said we started it with like there was going to be a potato salad, and immediately we crossed that off. Um, we wanted to serve things that we like to eat because we figure other people probably might like to eat it too. Like um, our Texas taters are kind of a spin literally on um, like something that you'd get at a fair or a festival. So they're spiral cut deep fried potatoes. They have truffle oil, garlic, Parmesan, and green onions. So they're kind of between a chip and a fry. And it also brings some of the components getting back to familiarity mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. where we didn't want to scare people off and get too cheeky there's that word again mm -hmm. uh it has a lot of the components of like a baked stuffed potato right. which is typical you know sort of fodder at mm -hmm. a lot of uh barbecue joints right so there's components there but with a completely different look and then taken to the next level yeah so and part of it too is it's kind of a playing with your food thing those potatoes like you reach for them yeah it's a big enough portion that everybody shares we're really big on that that sharing the food thing because that's just what me and jake do like, sure we go to and a it restaurant makes it interactive, and it's interactive it? yeah. and then that whole that whole table is like enjoying it together so our sides are designed to share so there's enough for several people so we always encourage people to get different so that everybody can have a few of them um, it's not unusual for a table to get everything that's on the menu and so that everybody can try at least a little bit of it you know our slaw is a vinegar-based slaw it's got um, a lot of cilantro it's real fresh it's real bright so if you're eating wagyu i generally recommend it with the wagyu so that you can have like kind of a little bit of balance so you're eating this really rich beautiful delicious fatty meat and then you have this great slaw that's fresh and bright and crunchy you mm -hmm. know with that because we're about a, textures has also a very uh it's 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 our asian slaw it's joe's yeah. asian slaw it has yeah. A very Asian flavor profile, which makes it very clean to her point. And, you know, it, it contradicts as much as it complements as it cuts through the richness. And that is the point. Why put more goopy mayo-based shit on top of something that's already fat and rich in the first place, right? If so, you want something creamy, you can have our um, our mac and cheese or you can have our our um, our, our uh, cream corn. I mean, it's it's just creamy enough. Hey, fun. speaking of kunas, how about that makshu cream corn? <laughs> that makshu, which people, all, everybody's just like, hmm, what does that mean? Or try to pronounce it. So for all you people out there in TV land, it's makshu. And again, at that moment, it's they're engaged. Yeah. People are engaged. They want to know. It's an opportunity to learn a little bit more about what they're eating and maybe a little bit of history behind you know, where, where a particular dish came from. And that makes it interactive and, and more of a pleasurable dining experience, in my opinion. Yeah. And so, so where does the word makshu come from? Makshu is, is generally a Cajun dish that's a braised corn that has some kind of pork and has some kind of peppers and onions in it. It's native mm -hmm. also. It's as much a Native American dish as a Cajun kind of Correct. Creole vibe, which is what I like about it. It's certainly regional, and it speaks to our heritage in, in, to some degree. I mean, we really struggle as a nation to come up with our own sort of culinary identity because we're such a melting pot of mutts. You know, you know when you're eating Italian food. You know when you're eating German food. You know when you're eating French food. What's American food? That's a question we're always asking ourselves. So, you know, at the end of the day, when we can bring some dishes forward like that, or again, speaking to the game, you know, a couple people out running around trying to catch something to eat and throw it on an open fire. We're not that far removed from it here, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. So it's got applewood smoked bacon. Poblano is our pepper in the mix because we're in Texas, right? And then um, on top is the is the the killer thing. It's the uh, flash fried Brussels sprouts on top. People wow. are always like, "What is this?" And then they taste it and they love it. So that's that's where we put like something a little different that's unexpected in our stuff. That and it's functional and that is again speaking to texture and it brings a sour component mm -hmm. against all that sweet creamy richness. Mm -hmm. So we've got something that's 
more balanced now too, right? And On it the takes palette? a lovely social media picture. Loverly. <laughs> so that's well, important. It sounds like you started with social media, so yeah. it, it's smart to be that way because there's a lot of places that are even on big lists and, and supposedly these big barbecue places and all the pictures on their Google are from customers. Right. You know, they don't they don't represent themselves in any way. Some of them don't even have social media. If they do, it's like some fourth party reposting customer mm -hmm. photos. Mm -hmm. Right. And it, it's sad to see because I think every, everyone deserves to be represented properly on social media. I sure. mean, we love our food. We want it to look beautiful. It's our, these, that's our, this is our family. This is what we created. This is what, you know, Jake and I have done together. It's important that it looks beautiful. I mean, we want you to think it's beautiful. We want you to say like, they, our wait staff is always like, man, the best moment is when you walk out to the table and they smell everything and they're like, Ooh, when they see those spiral cut potatoes or, you know, they see that beautiful, you know, those fried Brussels sprouts on top of the corn, you know, all these colors and flavors mm. together and they smell it and they see it and they're just like, Right. Or what? those beautiful Lukenbach lollipops. lollipops. What are those? <laughs> Buttermilk brine deep fried quail. Very nice. So each piece, um, there's three pieces in an order. Each piece is a half of a debone quail. So it's easy for you to eat. It's tied in a little knot. We buttermilk brine them and deep fry them. The way it's butchered, they leave a drumstick. Correct. Right? So it's about the size of this. So it's on a handle. Yeah. Hence the lollipop. The lollipop is that. that. But it's and a whole quail lollipop. It's a quail and a half in the order. Yeah. Three pieces. So um, beautiful, crispy, fried, delicious. We put a little uh, wedge of lemon in there for you to squeeze on top to kind of add a brightness to the to the taste, acid, the flavor. Right? Yep. And then a sriracha aioli on the side, um, which is similar to crack. So... <laughs> 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 well, it is. People we don't condone the use of crack. Sriracha only crack, but um, but yes, yeah, so that's that's. It's not necessary. I mean, it's a side. Um, it could be a starter. It, it really, could be a meal. It really does. It it's, really can be. It could be whatever you want it to I'll be. I'll tell you what, a half a rack of ribs, a Pabst Blue Ribbon, and an order of those pops, and I'm done. I'm through. Like, put me to bed. It's over. Yeah. Is that how you end your shifts? No. No. I end my shifts with a hot shower and a pillow directly. <laughs> <laughs> so boy is just worn out at yeah. the end of the day. And, and it's not even and that, But that's the way it is. We yeah. knew what we were getting into. You know, that whole reverse ownership. You don't own the restaurant. It owns you and all that jazz. So before we uh, we get any farther, we haven't talked about the desserts, which are an important part. Because we were working go, our way up to it, saving the best go, for last. If you go look at the board, there's a big piece of carrot cake right in the center of it. And so it was important to me and Jake that it wasn't just the meat that stood out. It was like the whole experience. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times you go to barbecue places and the desserts are an afterthought. They're the same things over and over again. Sure. Or they... It's just the same ingredient, just somebody did it a different way or whatever. But and not just not just barbecue joints, but just joints. In general. Like, and we, desserts were important. I love to bake. I'm not a baker, but I love to bake. And so that was... You're for, a good baker. For, You're coming along just fine. Yeah. Don't so sell yourself short. For me to, um, to be able to have that, you know, that this is kind of my thing with you your know, outlet yeah that i i love to bake so like i like it when i'm in here on tuesdays and i'm doing all the baking and getting ready for the week it's it's just for me being a savory chef my whole life to be able to have this part of me develop and grow is is pretty cool but our desserts do not suck so we um right now we're featuring uh, pecan cobbler a la mode and um, people always say, what's With whiskey, crab, and Saigon cinnamon over the top. I was getting to that. Sorry, my yeah. bad. So um, people are like, what's a pecan cobbler? And I'm like, if you don't eat it, you're going to be remiss. I mean, when you eat it and you try it, typically what happens is one person at the table will get one, and then somebody says, oh, we need another one. Or people will come in and just order the pecan cobbler by itself. It's it's taken off. Our, our blackberry peach cobbler is amazing when peaches are in season. We only use fresh fruit, so we don't. We don't use any canned anything. We only use fresh stuff. So, so to her point mm -hmm. and back to the menu and, and where it's at, mm -hmm. that's really the only thing that rotates in and out is that one the dessert. Coffee. We do the chef's choice. And as Joe said, that's based on what fruit is in season. So basically we run four different cobblers at Three. this point four, because we got that sticky bread bud pudding. Yeah, that's not a cobbler. But I mean, it's in that slot. Yeah. So it's an it's like a it's like an apple fritter. It's Meets like a if cinnamon a, roll. Yeah, if a cinnamon roll and an apple fritter fornicated, it would be their love child. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Sounds like a win-win. Yeah. You just, you just had the cookie. It's a triple chocolate cookie. The cookie that's mostly chips held together by a little bit of butter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like you're just eating yeah. chips. On a, a quiet <laughs> night, you can hear the arteries clogging. <laughs> 
So that's what's left of it. Yeah. yeah. And then the carrot yeah. cake, um, which is a labor of love. It takes a while to make that carrot cake. It has a lot of beautiful ingredients in it. You know, it's got the delicious frosting on it. It's definitely very rich and delicious. So. Does nice. it take a long time to shred the carrots, or what's the what's so labor intensive? Yeah, about I mean, because we do, we shred the carrots, we buy whole carrots, we shred the carrots. You know, there's coconut, there's pineapple, <laughs> there's several different um, several different spices in there. You know, give it that, all. Don't give it all away. I mean, it's just it's there's a labor of love because it. Takes, oh, and the Texas takes, those Texas pecans and the pecans. Yeah. I mean, just there's a lot of things in it, so it's got it's got a lot of it's layers. Very complex to, and dynamic. Complex, yes, which is. For me, it's a little tough because I'm a, more of a, one of those four ingredient kind of people. Like, if it does has more than four ingredients, then I think we've just wasted it. Jake is more complex than I am. I'm more simple, mm. which is weird because I'm, the, you know, the classically trained, and he's the the guy from the streets, you know. Mm-hmm. So. I went to the school of hard knocks, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Up and down the West Coast, it sounds like. Yeah, East Coast, West Coast. Culinary all points, school is not an between. easy experience. Yeah. They, I mean. I've heard that some places you spend a whole day just Clean. knife skills, chopping, mm-hmm. cleaning, all yep. the as well the you sh- work. as well you should. Yep, yep. It is. It was. It was it's probably a good the, lesson there. If you can't if you can't handle it, you got no business being in the kitchen. I've had I mean, three kids, and culinary school was the hardest two years of my life. Yeah. Literally, I mean, just that there's a lot of pressure, a lot of homework, a lot of a lot of work to get through it. So. Well, and I know from just trying to you know equate all that. I can't even cut one carrot into, you know, even, even Well, pieces. that does it. As soon as this is over, you're coming with me back in the kitchen. All right, let's go. Yep. Well, so I know uh, you all have some some stuff coming up you want to plug, so mm-hmm. let me know. T- tell the tell the fans kind of what's coming up for Blackboard. You talked about the boudin. Go ahead, Joe. Um, so Thursday nights we have our, our smoked Wagyu burger, which is started out as a we're going to put on the menu in place of the catfish, which will be on Fridays now. So the Wagyu, smoked Wagyu burger, half pound of smoked Wagyu, hand ground here by Chef Jake over here. Um, and then it's got two kinds of cheese. He makes a red onion jam for it. And we have wow. a, a nice remoulade that has um, some of our flavors of our barbecue sauce in it. It's on a brioche bun, comes with a, um, a large order of uh, hand cut fries. Mm-hmm. And then a beer of your choice for $16, um, local beer of yeah. your choice. So we yeah. have three local beers. So you can choose from those, and then a dollar of the proceeds goes to our Sisterdale volunteer, volunteer fire department. So not only are you eating good, you're doing good. Yeah, it's our locals' night, and mm-hmm. if you haven't gathered yet, we're, we're huge on unity in the community, whether it's bringing attention to hunger issues in our national community in America or to our barbecue brethren across the the pond in Lake Cuomo at Blackett Barbecue, you know, in that barbecue community or right here in our hometown in, in Sisterdale, Texas, helping out the volunteer fire department. Heaven forbid we ever needed them. We'd want them to show up if we did. Uh, it's unity in the community, baby, not because it rhymes or it's cheeky, but because we mean it. We just had Emilio and Laura on the, on the show, so Very yeah, shout out did. to Blackett. Yep, they were out we here. We love them. Uh, Super cool. They, they were out here a couple here. weeks ago. Yeah, she's yeah. from Bernie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's from yep, Bernie. She's from Bernie. It's actually, uh, did she have one of the magazines? Yeah. Yeah, so there's a picture from one of our signs in, in that. The magazine. Yeah, gotcha. from yeah. the smokehouse. So. Yeah, they. I, I caught them at the end of their trip, but the next time they're here, I'm going to get a full episode out of them. Yeah, yeah, as well you should. They're super cool, and he is just great, too, and, and uh, just they're just fun people. So Thursday is the locals' night. Yep. Live music, local people singing. Yep. Um, it's a nice party in here, depending on, like, the, the who's here. It gets it's, going. It gets going. It so gets going. Thursday night's locals' Call night. Call ahead, because we then, always sell out of the Wagyu. They always sell we out. We don't take reservations, but... Um, on the we burger. Are, on the burger we do, and yeah. we um, we will probably do that on the catfish also. Um, yeah. The catfish will be... Um, sell it till it's sold out. So we'll do it starting Lent, so it'll kind of coincide with mm-hmm. that. So catfish will be on Friday. Mm-hmm. Catfish is a half pound of catfish, fries, a little bit of the cream corn, a little bit of the pecan cobbler right now, and then it might rotate into the mm-hmm. um, the other cobblers, yeah. depending on, you know, So what it's like season. a big basket. Yeah. So it's, it, a, it's a gut buster for sure. Yep. For so we'll be doing that 20, 20 yeah. on, on Fridays. That's what we were doing last year. So... Do you all kind of take a break in the middle of the day? Do you lunch, break, and then dinner, or you just run right through? No, run sir. Through. We just keep right on rolling. Yep. So when do the burgers start? Do they start right at four. noon? Four. They at start four. at four. Yep. The catfish will be all day. 
So yep. nobody wants to have catfish hanging around at the end of the day. For sure. <laughs> we want it to be sold. So. Never eat the seafood stew on Sunday. <laughs> Never. Rule of, rule of thumb. <laughs> not, the specials in general, you got to be careful about, right? Not well, not spots. here. Not at Blackboard Barbecue. But, no. yeah, you definitely want to. Uh, no, and you need it. So the other caveat for any of our food is, like I tell people all the time, the stuff comes off the smoker and it's, like, fresh at noon. When we open the doors, it's fresh at noon. If you want to get the food while it's, while it's the freshest, come then. Because, first of all, you're going to be guaranteed you're going to get food, and we can't guarantee you that we won't sell out. We do not have any, like, say-so over the crowds that show up yesterday. We had a bus of 20 people show up, you know, like, wiped us out of food. It, it not expected, so it could happen anytime. People traveling down these roads, it could be a family of 10 or whatever. So if you want to eat the, the best Blackboard experience, come as soon as we open. So with the burger, if it, you don't get here at 4, you're going to run out soon? or sell out sell out <laughs> sell out now this well we take the reservation on the burger oh, you take reservations. yeah, yeah. so they, you could call in if you know you're going to be there and you're yeah. going to be there at seven you're going to be there at seven you call joe hold me two burgers and we'll make sure that there's burgers for you when you yeah. get here at seven unless Just, we've already sold unless we've already reserved all of the ones which yeah. has happened before people will call at five thinking they can get a burger and they're already out because I know some guys that will probably want to come out here for that burger. Yeah, yeah. they could de definitely do it. We just have to call and reserve it to make sure you have your burger. Yeah. It's a good party. We get going. Yeah. It gets it going good here. It's a delicious. Yeah. I mean, you've seen the picture on social media. Oh, for that's sure. a real picture. I mean, that's like the guy bit into that burger right after that. The burger was on the list to ask you about, so I'm <laughs> yeah. glad we checked it off. Yes. Yeah, yeah we love that one. It's mm -hmm. a good one. And uh, Originally, we just figured it was just going to be a short run, you know, because we'd been doing the catfish on Thursday, and then the weather got cold, and that just didn't make any sense anymore. And the catfish does not suck. The catfish it's is really on good. point, mm -hmm. uh, especially, again, for a yank making it in Texas. It's mm -hmm. pretty good. At least that's the word on the street. Uh, so we kind of phased that out and brought in the burger. We were just going to do it for a run, you know, through the winter. And... Uh, I just there's not too many people. I think Leroy and Lewis maybe right. They had a they have a wagon burger. On, yeah, I think on but Wednesdays. it's it's just not something you see out there in the world, especially off no. the smoker. So mm -hmm. we thought that'd be fun, and uh, and again doing it our way, uh, and then it just took off. I mean the thing just took off. So we decided to keep it. We're just going to run it as an off menu special, blackboard special every Thursday, and that's how that's going to be. So we moved the catfish to Friday, and that's coming back next week, and we're excited to see it back in the house. Cool. Yeah. Well, so our fans span the gamut of backyard cookers to other pit masters, mm -hmm. other restaurant owners. Mm -hmm. uh, and I ask every interview, I say, you know, what's your message to the people that love the barbecue, the barbecue family, the people that are, you know, putting you on, on their list right now from here in this episode? Right. Uh, immediately, thank you. you. Yeah, that was we, that was the uh, first thing that came to my head. Thank you. We we can't do it without mm -hmm. y'all. Uh, we could be running smoke till we're blue in the face, uh, and Joe could be baking cakes till she pukes. And if people don't show up to eat it, what are we doing? Mm -hmm. So, the customer um, is always the most important room, most important person in the room, and uh, and that's something that we certainly firmly believe in and uh, I never get tired of saying it so yeah immediately certainly thank you and we appreciate you cool yeah and to, to those aspiring cooks and chefs and barbecue pit masters out there I'm gonna say something for barbecue and Joe can say something for whatever she wants <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, something as far as the pit goes and brisket and this is something that I get asked a lot and it's just there's some misconception out there, and I don't know who started it, about over-trimming brisket. And <laughs> it doesn't make any sense on any level. Uh, the fat on beef is where the flavor's at, right? And that's where the moisture lives. So why, plus you're paying for it. So why would you trim it off? Why would you trim down to a quarter inch fat cap through and through on the entire brisket? Because this is what somebody said to do. It doesn't make any sense, stop doing it. That fat is a wondrous thing of beauty. If you take your time with it, like you should, and go plenty low and slow and don't be in a big hurry and let that fat render, it is going to pay huge, huge dividends on the back end. Trust me. Cool. Joe? I didn't realize it was like a like a, a tip. It doesn't have to be a tip. Just, oh, okay. You can say, you know, 
good luck out there or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can so, say, follow your dreams if well, you're passionate Well, no, so what I was going to say, no, what I was going to say is, and we didn't, we didn't talk about this at all, is that um, I'm a recovering alcoholic, and I have, um, five years ago, I stopped drinking. And, and I had, at that point in my life, just so everybody can understand where I come from today, is that I had no job, I had no home, I had no friends, I had no family, I had no money in the bank, I had no car. I am literally, I was down to the bottom of the barrel. And five years ago, I woke up and said, this is it, I'm gonna not do this anymore. So gradually I came back to the cooking part of it, but um, in your life can change. It doesn't matter what age you are, and it doesn't matter you know who you are. If you want it bad enough, in five years, my life changed completely. I have money in the bank. I own a piece of property. I own a restaurant. It's successful. I have a car that's paid off. You know, like all the things that I didn't have five years a, ago. A great man. A great man. <clears throat> I have now. So it's never too late to follow your dream, like Jake was saying. You should, and I'm like the biggest poster on social media of positive things that people should be thinking about every single day. Follow your dream. It doesn't matter. If it takes you 10 years to get to it, it takes you five years, it takes you five minutes, follow your dream and do what you love and then the rest will come. Just Amen. Wow. Mm. Yeah, good stuff. Thank you. True story. Coming in hot at the end there, Joe. Yeah. Finish strong. <laughs> I like it. Finish strong. Well, there it is. Jake and Joe, Blackboard Barbecue. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Yoni, we appreciate you, yep. brother. Thank yeah. you. That was great. Very good. It's coming to meet Y'all see me eat now. Hit on the meat man, y'all to see me eating now. I got jaws like a bear trap, a teeth like a razor. I made tack tongue with a sensitive taster. I born out in Texas called the land of beef. Never catch a muscle greener, showing the hell that like a meat on the meat man. Y'all to see me eating now. Woo!